Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Now, it's no secret that I absolutely love traveling, and it's a big part of my life. My family and I packed, donated, or sold everything we owned in Australia to head off on a year adventure through North America, where we didn't pay for accommodation. This time last year, home was a log cabin in the middle of the north woods of Wisconsin in a town called Clam Lake that only has a population of 37 people. It was absolutely wonderful. One of the things I love about traveling is how we learn and grow through it. And this is what my guest today, Amanda Kendall and I really dive into, those lessons on the road and how we can implement them into our daily life. In this episode, we discuss the beautifulness of short-term perspective, making changes in your life even when things are great, traveling slowly, and choosing the bigger life. Amanda is the host of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast and also runs the travel blog Not A Ballerina, which he's been doing for over 11 years. It's safe to say that travel is in Amanda's DNA too. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Amanda Kendall. Hi Amanda, how are you? I am very well, thanks, Mike. Great to talk to you. Uh, you too. Thanks for coming on. And whereabouts in this beautiful world do I find you today? Today, I am in very sunny and going to be very hot Perth, Western Australia. Good old WA. It's one of the states that I unfortunately haven't been to yet, but it's uh, always on the list. Being When I was working in the music industry, it was amazing the amount of great bands that came out of WA, to be, to be honest. I know that's true for a like a faraway place. It's amazing what can come out of Perth, um, but uh, a lot of people don't bother to come over and visit us. I know we're very far away, most isolated city in the world, yada yada. But uh, it's worth a visit, I promise. And for everyone uh, listening that's not from Australia, when you look at the map, it's on the left hand side, so the west, but it's pretty much a third. Of Australia, it's like a massive, massive state. Like, imagine if you're looking at America, it's probably like coming down Montana and Colorado, and and, and keep going down, and then everything to the left of that. It's a it's a huge, huge state. It's a massive state and a very empty state. So um, it's a very special place. Some of that's good, and some of that's kind of frustrating, but uh, mostly good. But speaking of good, you and I actually, I guess found each other through our mutual love of traveling, which we both think is amazing and beautiful. But um, you're also the host of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast, which I had the privilege of being a guest on. And you have the highly successful travel blog, Not A Ballerina, which you've been running for over 10 years. So firstly, congratulations on both of those. Thank you very much. Yes, Not A Ballerina is coming up to 11 and a half years now. And that is the longest I have done anything in my life. So... um, (laughs) It's quite a commitment. <laughs> uh, and it's 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 a I think it's a huge success and it's um you know as I say congratulations to be able to run any business especially a digital business for over a decade is um is amazing. But um travel is something that I guess is on like high on the list of a lot of people's um 
things that they, they love to do. And in a recent Australian Bureau of Statistics report that I think actually flicked you um, the mm, other that day. Was really interesting, yes. It was, it was saying in like 2012, like a record-breaking 8.2 million Australians left our borders, which is like 31 out of every 100 Australians, which is mm. 31% for all of our mathematical people out there. <laughs> and And that's just international travel. Like it's not including the domestic side of traveling. But yeah. why do you think we have this fascination and love of travel? Oh, that's such a good question. And I think that it's true that Australians in general tend to be more travel minded. Um, so I think that that comes from being kind of in this faraway place uh, where the rest of the world seems exotic and, and distant. So, you know, when, uh, you know, when we grew up, like TV was mostly British, um, bit American. Now it's a lot American and a lot of other kind of cultures come in. And, you know, we're just kind of this, like we might be a very large country, but we have a very small population for, for our size. And so I think there seems like there's so much so much to discover beyond our borders. And uh, and I think every time you do go out and discover new places and, and experience that travel, I know I get such a buzz that it's kind of like a drug and I want to do it again and again. Uh, and I think in Australia we're lucky that we have that kind of culture of uh, being able to travel often for extended periods of time. I mean, like you guys did um, to spend a year away, it's unusual, but it's not so unusual from an Australian perspective, whereas I'm sure a lot of the Americans you met were really stunned by mm. the fact that you would and could do that. Yeah. So um, I think we're really lucky that we have. I mean, and part of that comes from having like long service leave entitlements and stuff like that. And this, I think if you're going to go somewhere from Australia, you want to go for a fair while because it's very far it's expensive to get there, so spend as long as you can there. We're not really in a position where we can just, like when I lived in Europe, and you could just pop over to Paris for the weekend. You know, we can't do stuff like that. So you've got to really make the most of it and make an extended trip. And I think it's those, like, extended trips really start to change the way you think about mm. your life and the world and give you that kind of, you know, re-inspiration re about, you know, where you want to go in life and stuff. Yeah, I think I'd I'd like to touch on that, like, I guess, changing our perspective on things. Like, why... You know, I found when I was in America and we were over there for the presidential elections and mm -hmm. it was amazing how each state was different and people have different views and, and maybe the views that I took over there about particular topics, once I heard it from Americans, I, it did change. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm actually now mm. getting it from people's mouths and not say from the TV and, and like one of the big things is like guns, you know, here in Australia. And I think you and I have spoken about this yeah, we chatted before about this, and it's like, it's so weird because we, you know, we don't know anyone that has guns in Australia, No, no. but, but over <laughs> there, it, they, they kind of brought up with it. And, and even like-minded people that I would meet in America, you know, would st had guns for hunting. Like there is people that might have guns that, um, you know, for hunting, and but they still don't understand why Walmart would sell them. But it, that kind of really changed, you know, my attitude about, okay, I, I, I get it, why it is such a big ship to turn around. Don't get me mm. wrong, I would still love no guns because I just think that would be better for everybody. But yeah. I can understand it now. Yes, exactly. And that exactly is part of the, the beauty and importance of traveling, I think. And you've changed that attitude because you've talked to individual people who otherwise you have other things in common with. And so you can see, okay, well, if they think this way, there must be some reason for it. And you can think that through. And that is so different to just, you know, watching what the media puts up. 
And um, and I mean, I think that one of the key reasons I think everyone needs to travel is to have those local conversations and meet people who live in different circumstances and begin to understand all of the that like there's so many reasons why they have a different attitude to something. And I think that having those deeper understandings of different cultures is just both important for, you know, like you know, world peace and those kind of big mm. things, but also just for your own sort of self-development and stuff to realize that there's no black and white answer about anything. And I think that really helps you to, to I don't know, to engage with all kinds of people and all kinds of topics and, and further yourself in some respect. Mm. It's interesting, like often, especially at a younger age, like when people are backpacking, there could be this element of kind of going to travel to, to find yourself. Um, but if you travel correctly, you'll probably come back even more lost, but hopefully <laughs> kind of lost in this understanding of it is a beautiful world to be lost in because there are just so many differences and so many different cultures and things like that. Yeah, uh, you're so right. And I definitely, the more I travel, the more lost I get. I think that's a good way to explain it because you realize there's more and more things that you don't know about and more and more things that you want to learn more about and understand better. Um, and it takes time and it takes lots of different experiences. And it's not always easy to even find those experiences, but it's, you know, it's it's worth trying. Mm. And like, has traveling always been in your DNA or how did you fall in love with the the notion of traveling? Mm, that's a really interesting question. I've, I, um, I've pondered it a lot. And I think, well, so I know that my love of travel really happened when my parents took us away um, for six months. So um, so I'm sure your daughter will, will find, will be able to say this one day as well. Um, and we bought a camper van and traveled around Europe for six months. And back then, you know, it was like 1985, there was, you know, no internet at all. It was really hard to find out anything. And my parents took this amazing, to me, I think, an amazing risk to just jump off and do that. I mean, my dad had long service leave, so we financially it was not a horrifying thing to do. But they took us out of school for six months and um, we did distance education. And, you know, lots of people were horrified. Why would you do that to your daughters, blah, blah, blah. But in any case, it gave us this amazing sense of the world, especially camp, you know, driving around Europe. There's, you know, a new country every week or two with a new language and new culture and so many different things. So I just loved that. And ever since then, I always wanted to keep going out and exploring things. But having said that, my sister had the same experience and doesn't have that need and, um, you know, real strong desire to travel frequently. So I don't know what it is about me. I think it's maybe my personality type that I'm um, insanely curious and um, I'm quite a people person so I really like to get to know lots of different kinds of people so I think those kind of things contribute to this like must travel attitude mm. I have yeah. and you were saying there you had like six months there with your parents but you also hit the road for six years and, mm. and, and you're an English teacher which I guess and I was thinking about this when I was doing some research for the podcast that I don't really hear about that anymore like that people are kind of going off traveling and teaching English around the world. Maybe people are, and I'm just not in that in that circle of people anymore. But it it kind of was a thing to do. It was the way. It was kind of like slow travel before slow travel was the in thing. But yeah. but, but how was that experience for you? Well, I loved it, but I've always been interested in teaching and I'd done some teaching before that. So I absolutely adored it. Uh, it was, I mean, it's funny you should say that because it was kind of like a real cliched thing to do. When I left to teach in Japan, 
uh, because that was my first stop. It was like, you know, every second person knew someone who was teaching in Japan. Uh, And it was back when you could also make, you know, you could save a decent um, amount of money and send home and stuff. So it was really, you know, the thing to do. I didn't really care what I did, actually. I was just trying to leave Australia and, you know, tried various other things, but that was the one that worked. So that's what I did. But I actually adored teaching mostly because, I learned so much from my students. So I taught for a couple of years in Japan and then a year in Slovakia and then a few years in Germany. And so they were quite different places and my students would teach me so much about their culture and, and their life. And, I mean, I always used to say, uh, you know, I think the, te- the students teach me way more than mm. I teach them. And um, it was just a fabulous, a fabulous way to see the world. And I, I guess spending so much time in those communities and really immersing yourself in those communities like how did you how did you find yourself i guess grow and change through the traveling oh in every possible way probably um i was um when i left i'd left uh, what you know what i had thought of as, as a good job so i had a um i was working in in um university i had a job that i sort of anticipated getting like down the track when i was like 40ish and I'd got it in my sort of early to mid twenties. And so I thought, you know, okay, this is lovely and I like this job and it's, you know, blah, blah, but what am I going to do now for the next 20 years? And I didn't really know. So that's sort of was my mindset when I left to teach overseas. And while I was overseas, I learned everything about myself that I still, you know, that still guides most of the things I do today. I learned how much I love to be with all kinds of people. And I learned because I was forced to be with all kinds of people, especially in Japan as a teacher um, of English there, a lot of the students, their English level wasn't particularly high and their confidence to speak another language um, was particularly low. That's kind of a Japanese thing. And so I had to become like a real expert at small talk and making people comfortable. And um, and I learned that, you know, I love to do that. And I still run lots of workshops and training today. And one of the reasons that I'm relatively successful at it is because people always say, that I seem so nice and friendly and they make me feel comfortable. They make, I make them feel comfortable and stuff like that. So uh, teaching in Japan and beyond taught me that I learned so much about like being open to, to saying yes to things. Uh, I was kind of had a lot of anxiety issues before I, before I moved overseas and there's a lot of things that I wouldn't have tried, but when you're overseas and you know, if you're, got someone a lovely you know foreign person who you've met offering to take you to some new experience then you know it's really rude to say no so I had to say yes a lot more than I would have if I was back in Australia and of course I learned oh my goodness I can do all these things and you know the whole world opened up to me I mean honestly to answer this question I could speak for about four hours (laughs) just to answer this (laughs) but I I think you hit the nail on the head there with like saying yes like it is Mm. one of the like there you hear so many things about people you know no say no select the things that you want to do and i i'm really the opposite i i honestly don't think that anything really bad has happened when i've said yes exactly and, and you just grow so much more and i, I wish that you know, tra- you know the things that we learn traveling or the things that we do traveling in a sense we let our guard down and we do say yes to strangers i wish mm-hmm. we actually brought a lot of that back home in our day-to-day life Yes, exactly. Because I certainly, I have that mindset still at home and I try to implement it. But first of all, sometimes it's hard because you're kind of in routines that don't really allow for that. And that's just the nature of of living 
at home for a long time. And especially, you know, I've got a, a school age kid, so we go to school every day and, you know, things happen that are just the same and this over and over again. But, um, and, you know, like I, if I like make new friends while I'm, you know, in my hometown, you know, I'll be, oh yes, okay, well, let's go and do this. And I'll be quite, um, I don't know what the word to describe it is, but I guess I kind of, you know, seize the day straight away because I have that traveling mindset, you know, let's, okay, we've met we we get along well, let's go do this now. Um, whereas people who are kind of living in a, a longer term perspective, perhaps, mm. They take these things more slowly. so I've, And it's hard to deal with that. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way, kind of in a short-term, long-term kind of way, where when you're at home, and I guess this is kind of one of the big things that I'm about, about living immediately, is we often mm. live in that long-term and we mm. think that there's all this time that we can do things. But when we're traveling, it is short-term. And so you, you want to kind of pack in as much as you can. Like the stuff that we did last year, the amount of things that we did, the new people that we met – it's probably what we did for like five years leading up to yeah, that. Exactly. Where it's like, so I feel like I've had a light bulb moment here. Like it oh, really, excellent. it really is about living life on the short term, you know, and, and, you know, as I always try to put it, like living it for today, like how do we short term life? Sorry, I'm probably just really having a conversation with my head right now, but, <laughs> but I, th no I, I think that's something you, you've kind of nailed it there. Like we, we have this long term um, outlook on life where maybe when we're traveling, we have that short term and we really need to bring that back home. Yeah, absolutely. I think it works for lots of things. It works for what you do. You know, how often at home do you know that there's this amazing, I don't know, amazing museum or interesting festival once a year or all those kinds of things and you don't quite get around to going to it and you, you know, oh, we'll go next year. Whereas if you're traveling, of course you would do it because you wouldn't get another chance. And I think that, you know, you never know when your last chance will be to do something. Mm. So do it. Yeah, you also mentioned earlier about um, you you got a job in your early 20s that you thought that you were going to get when you were in your 40s and you kind of had that that realization of like, you know, what now? What am I going to do for the next 20 years? And a lot of people, I guess, have similar thoughts of, you know, is this it? Surely mm. there's got to be something more. But when you had that that feeling, you decided to change elements of your life, you know, what do you think it is that holds people back from from making changes in their life when they have similar similar thoughts? Yeah, well, I think it's probably because I'm not very sensible. Um, so, um, and if I look at like the example of my sister and me, she ended up being a, a tax accountant, which is a very sensible job, and I ended up being a travel blogger, which is a not very sensible job. Um, and I think it's often that stability and security, basically. So mm -hmm. I had this, you know, this job. I was paying off a mortgage. Um, it was a really interesting job. I worked with great people. There was lots of positives about it. But and a lot of people would just think, okay, there's not enough wrong in this situation to leave it. Um, lots of things are fine, so you know they just kind of quash that feeling they have that what if there's something more? Because you know everything's good. Why should I complain about a good job, good friends, nice house, good money? You know that's that's a great life, so don't complain. Um, whereas I think I don't know where it comes from. It's just my personality, I suppose that um, that terrified me that. Oh, that thought of being so so stable and secure forever. So actually, some of it probably comes. My father is a wonderful man, but he was very about stability and security. He worked for um, the same bank for forty four years, and I always felt I never want to be the kind of person who works somewhere for forty four years. Wow! And that's how he got his long service leave. Holy Nelly! 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and he never had sick days either. I mean, he was just, he was a very loyal and wonderful and great employee. Um, You know, the bank would have been very grateful to have him and he's a great person. But, um, you know, for whatever reasons, he was very much about that stability and security. And uh, it was my mum who really pushed the going overseas thing. And he was happy to go along with it. And, you know, we all had a great trip. But something from her was more, um, yeah, it gave me that feeling to think, okay, you know, you've got to somehow make the most of life and is this what the most of life is for you? Actually, I always remember um, a few years ago I heard Gretchen Rubin speaking about this topic and she had this phrase of choose the bigger life. And that's something that I often come back to when I'm trying to decide, you know, what's next. And uh, and the bigger life might mean different things for different people in different circumstances, but it's sort of a like a nice motto that I try to go back to. Choose the bigger life, and that usually is the right decision for me. I love that. Mm. Choose the bigger life. I also liked what you said about, you know, sometimes people need to have a lot of wrong in their life. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's something that I've been thinking a lot about lately about you know, what, what is holding people back from creating change because, and, and, and we kind of need to wait until we get all the way to the bottom until everything is wrong. until we make that change, it's like, why don't we make change just for change sake? Why don't we just mm. pick up the dice again and roll it and see what happens? I think that, mm. um, yeah, it's again, maybe it's, I'm a similar personality to you where, uh, you know, maybe, we adapt to things a little bit more, but I just feel that if, if people just create a change instead of waiting till everything was wrong, as you put it, then great things might happen. Instead of thinking about what's, what could go wrong, we should start thinking about what could go right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think kind of bearing in mind that there's no really bad decisions and, you know, you just have to make a decision and do it and life will unroll as it will unroll and and deal with that. But I think, yeah, you see, you hear so many stories of, you know, people who, yeah, like you said, really hit rock bottom, everything's gone wrong, and then they make this amazing, great change. But what a shame for all the people whose life is kind of, you know, just going along okay and they're relatively happy, but they could be really, really happy and fulfilled and just having a, you know, a much, well, bigger life. Well, maybe um, the mundane or normality disguises rock bottom. True. It's very easy to not notice what's really going on if if your daily life just keeps going as it as it keeps going and you're just used to it and it is what it is. Yeah. You mentioned uh, before too that you have a, a little man in your life. Mm-hmm. Has your traveling habits changed since you've you've had a, a little child? Definitely, um, and mostly for the better. Uh, you know, there's times when I think, oh, it would be great to, um, and I mean, sometimes I get to travel on my own and there's, uh, you know, advantages of that too. But uh, on the whole, we travel a lot more slowly, which is definitely a good thing. Um, I have sometimes in the past had the tendency to, you know, to try and see it all and do it all because I'm, you know, want to know everything and see everything and not miss out. Uh, but of course, with a um, a young child in tow, that's impossible. So I, I do like that. Definitely, we'll go somewhere, we'll stay for a longer time, um, have a you know a home base, and often like self-contained apartment and stuff like that, which is you know a really lovely way to travel, I think. Uh, and yeah, of course, different um, highlights of when we travel, and we'll you know go to some more kid-centered things. But he's a he's a trooper of a little traveler. He's six and a half now, and he, um, I mean. I, I've always traveled with him his whole life. So he's, he's used to my style of travel, which I've adapted to him as well. And, 
and I'll go to, you know, the Legolands and the, the stuff that he really loves. But I tell you, on the weekend, there was um, the been traveling around Australia, I think, for the last year or so, the Spirit of Anzac exhibition um, came to Perth. And so I took him along and it's one of those amazing, like really, um, high tech's not the right word, but a really progressive kind of museum exhibit with um you know an audio tour individualized mm. so it you know starts when you go into the next room and lots of different displays and you know he's only six and i thought oh well i'll take him because i really want to see it and he's kind of interested in war and stuff so i thought but he was the one who's like no we i don't want to go into the next room yet i've got to finish listening to this bit and asking all the questions and you know all the other a lot of other younger you know kids around his age were just you know racing through it and looking for buttons to push and stuff but he was really into it and really um absorbing it because it was new and interesting i thought hey i have kind of grown a real little curious traveler kind of guy here and i was yeah it was a good moment oh that's great that's that's really really cool like i found with with andy when we were traveling and a lot of people would would maybe say to us oh you know how's it what's it like traveling with a kid i can't believe you you're doing all this with a little four-year-old and it's like you know what she's just kind of part of the pack like it was nothing really was out of the ordinary and she's so much more resilient and and as you said yeah there are some things that you you change for them and or you do things but when you are traveling slower you do have that time to stop off at the park or you know for us we went to disneyland on the way home and hey to be honest ingrid and i love that just as much Exactly, that's right. These things are not just for kids. <laughs> and stopping off at the local park is such a great way to see how the locals live. I love, um, you know, discovering what kind of playgrounds they have and, and who's there and, you know, they'll start to make new friends in from other countries. When Ruben was um, about three, I think he was three, we had a couple of nights in Vienna um, and we were staying right in a, an apartment right in the centre of it and there was this little playground right nearby and... Um, he was, you know, within half an hour, he was kind of playing with these kids and they didn't um, speak to each other because they both, you know, they didn't really speak enough of each other's language. And But it was fine and they were having fun and, you know, it was a completely different kind of playground to what mm. we'd have back home because it's really inner city and there's no grass and they have snow all winter and, you know, totally different. But, you know, we would never get that experience if I wasn't traveling with a, with a young child. It was fantastic. Uh, and I just also love the interaction with kids. Because yeah, you know, I guess with you in, in Vienna, there was no um, like they didn't speak the same language and all that kind of stuff. But kids don't worry about that. No, they they, 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 they they get around it and they're like, "Hey, all I want is a little play buddy. Let's go do this." Exactly, and they're so open to everything, and yeah, they don't judge, and yeah, it's a great way to travel with the young kid. I miss it now that he's a bit bigger, and so that's not quite as simple as it was when he was younger. He's like, Mum, come on, get off the swing. It's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. But <laughs> that we, has happened. <laughs> we, 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 we did touch on, like, extended travel, and it, it's I, I love it for a whole bunch of reasons, you know, able to immerse yourself in the community and, you know, your dollar goes further. And it's for me, it's just fun because you're on the road longer. But it, extended travel, it, it is more challenging, part of me, to, I guess, organize as you need to readjust a lot more elements in your daily life. And for some people, it's it might not even be an option. Like, what would your advice be for a family who has three weeks holidays and just wants to go traveling? Yeah, that's right. It's not an option for everyone to go for a longer time. But I think um, then you just have to do some, well, I recommend slow, still some aspects of slow travel. So three weeks 
a three-week trip, don't hit, you know, 10 countries in Europe. Just choose two places that you're really interested in and maybe two really contrasting places uh, and rent an apartment there and get to know one area in one country and another one somewhere else really, really well. Uh, I think, you know, it's really it's really such a shame that so many people are desperate to uh, see all the things. Yeah. But, you know, you can see the things on the internet, on TV, but you can't experience the life of those places by without being there physically. Uh, and I think I try and see it, you know, because I still tend towards that myself. I find it hard sometimes to stop myself from trying to see all the things. But especially, you know, the way the world is today, you know, you can get cheaper airfares, even from Australia, you can get, it's easier and easier to travel. So I always think this is not the last time I'll be here. This mm -hmm. is what I'm going to experience this time. And, you know, next time it'll be another, you know, another part of the world or another part of this country. And, and that's okay. And it's not about ticking boxes, but it's about experiencing something of what life is really like in another country. Mm. And I think that's kind of the where you have to focus on and not try and, yeah, tick, tick all the, uh, the souvenir boxes and the sightseeing hit. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's about kind of going to, to like one place and diving deep, then kind of mm. just shallow swimming everywhere and i i also find for us if we kind of have some like little long weekend getaways it, it kind of gets our body into just being away from home and kind of Absolutely. being being with the family again and kind of learning how to travel if that's even such a thing yeah i think yeah and i think that is a thing um and I think the more you've traveled with your kids when they're younger, the more they understand that whole learning how to travel. Like I've always traveled with my son. And as a result of that, a lot of the games that he plays and the stuff he makes up and the, what he draws is travel related. You know, like he'll have his toy planes and he'll be flying them around and he'll go from Perth to Abu Dhabi with the A380 and stuff. <laughs> and, you know, because he's had these experiences and, um, and I think that that, stands like then he believes that that's a normal thing to do mm. so then if he goes on a trip that's not a you know not a confronting thing it's not a stressful thing it's just what you do because um, a lot of people say oh you shouldn't travel with kids when they're too young to that, that they won't remember it but it's not about the remembering mm. it it's about the learning as you go yeah, it's so true. And I used to get that question with Andy. I actually wrote an article about it when people would go, you know, do you think she's going to remember it? And I was like, you know what? I never thought about that question when we were here in Australia. I thought about so many things except will she remember it? And then I'm like, you know what? I've done a fair bit of traveling in my life and I don't remember it all. Exactly. Like I, 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 was, I spent a year in Sweden as an exchange student. I don't remember the whole thing. I remember you know, obviously meeting some great people and the great time I had. And I guess that's what I, I really want to do with Andy. It's like, whether she remembers that trip or not, I want her to be, you know, 35 and just remember that she had a great childhood, that her parents exactly. kind of tried to give her as many experiences as possible. And that trip to America that year was just one of many happy moments in her life. Yeah, and I think it sets her up to believe she can do all those things herself as well. So um, obviously, you know, you and your wife will still continue to talk about that with her and, you, you know, look through photos and videos and stuff. So she won't ever – she might not actually really remember being in the moment herself, but she'll always remember that it existed because you guys will keep talking about it. And that just gives her that – like it empowers her to believe that 
that sort of stuff is completely possible, that it's quite normal to, you know, to go and live in another country for a year. And, you know, that will give her that amazing power as she's older to make all kinds of choices. Mm. And and speaking about living in a in a country for a year, when we go traveling, there's always, I guess, an end date, a time where we, <laughs> we have to come home. And, and I, I don't know whether it's funny or, or maybe natural, depending on the way that you look at the universe. But I did gravitate to a number of the articles on your, on your website um, under reverse culture shock. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yes. since we've just returned home. But, you know, explain what reverse culture shock is and, and why do you think it occurs? Yes, reverse culture shock is a really fascinating phenomenon. So culture shock is clear. You know, you go to a country, like when I arrived in Japan, I had, you know, a day or so of really quite extreme culture shock. I couldn't find food that I knew, I couldn't find any food that was a normal food. I, the weather was strange. The people spoke a language I didn't understand. That's culture shock. And it you know, made sense to me that I struggled a little on that first day or two. But what I was really shocked by was when I came, well, both when I came back to visit Australia while I lived abroad, and especially when I came back to live here more permanently, was the reverse culture shock of having to fit back into my old original culture and it's really, really hard, and I didn't anticipate it at all at the time. Um, and there's so many parts of reverse culture shock, I think. But um, first of all, the longer you've been away, the less has changed at home, I find. So you get back home and there's, it's you try to fit back into where you left, mm. but you can't because you've changed so much. And it feels like back home nothing's changed. And that's a really difficult thing to deal with for a start. And then um, as lovely as all my friends were, nobody wanted to know anything about what I'd been doing for the six years that I was away. Um, some of them probably, you know, couldn't even tell you where I'd been. They just knew I wasn't home in Perth. And and that's a really hard thing because, I mean, as you know, you have all these amazing experiences and you want to talk about them um, and nobody really cares and uh, I know one of the things that I found the hardest is such a simple thing, but my we'd get to I'd get together with, with my old friends and they'd be talking about like the latest TV shows and stuff, and I had no clue because I'd been living in foreign countries where those TV shows weren't available, and I had I just couldn't contribute to the conversation, and I'd be sitting there thinking, okay, well, what I'm just going to sit here and listen for half an hour, and I don't know anything about what you're talking about, and um, simple things like that mm. surprised me at how much of an impact that made on on me settling back into, you know, the real world, so to speak. Yeah, it's so true. Like, you know, we're, we've been back now for, I guess, a month or six weeks and and it it's the whole settling thing. It's kind of like, well, you know, I don't think I want to settle anymore. You know, <laughs> I, I think it's this, we've been on the road and we've made it work, so what other cool things can we do now? What What can we mix up? Like, I didn't travel to come back to normality like not yeah it's it's hard to kind of maybe articulate but it's mm. you, you, you do come back a different person and you kind of want to bring a lot of those lessons and kind of mix them in your life and sometimes they take a while to be able to mix them in into what you're doing and it doesn't happen the day that you get off the plane but it's um it, it's really interesting when I was reading some of those articles because I was like wow this is this is really true Yes. And I, I mean, and that's why I've written quite a lot about it and interviewed a bunch of people about it, because it's a really common thing to feel 
you kind of feel really, you know, are you going crazy? Because you've had this great experience and now, you, you know, you should be happy to be home and seeing your friends and family, but you just feel like it's so difficult to to get back into that society. And uh, I think it's good to know that it's it's a normal thing and a lot of people feel that way. And without kind of putting people off from traveling because of the reverse culture shock, <laughs> it's still worth every single day away. Absolutely. I would not swap that for anything. And I tell you, it took me probably three or four years to get over the reverse culture shock of returning to Australia. (laughs) Yeah, but I was away for six years and in really different cultures and there was like hardly any internet. So I think you'll be okay. I I feel that you can, um, you won't take you that long. And I must admit too, like with social media and things like that, I probably had a lot more contact with a lot more people back home in Australia that year that I was away than years that I've been living in Australia it's <laughs> there you go yeah but like I guess kind of getting into some tips here like what what would be your three I guess best travel tips for people oh my goodness um to distill all my ideas to three tips um <laughs> <laughs> the first thing is it's uh, I don't want to say planning as preparation can make your trip really amazing. And when I say preparation, I don't mean necessarily that you need to plan out your itinerary in detail or anything like that. It's great to go and not have any particular plans, but prepare yourself by learning about the place you're going to go. So for example, when I was going to Iceland last year, um, I read lots of stuff about it. I read books that have been set there, novels and stuff. I read memoirs of people who've lived there and having that like deeper understanding before I arrived made it so much more interesting because I, I knew all the questions I wanted to ask, basically. So um, so preparation in the sense of um, learning more about your destination and the things that interest you about it, I think that's one big tip. Um, second, if you can, travel slowly. And even if you don't have much time, at least try and use the principles of slow travel uh, rather than rushing around. You know, don't do the old... Um, Contiki bus tour where it's, you know, 12 countries in 14 days or whatever. I don't know. I've never done one of those. I think it would kill me. But, um, you know, uh, approach this trip not as if it's the only thing you'll ever do in your life. And even if it is the only trip you'll ever do in your life, it'll be a lot more enjoyable if you just go deep into a couple of destinations. Um, And the third one I think is, uh, I don't know how to say it exactly, but every time I go away, I always have these moments of real epiphanies about life back home and things I want to change and, and inspiration for new, new ideas or, you know, things that I realize from a distance have been going wrong that I want to make different. And I think that it's important to, I don't know, either build in time when you're traveling to really think these things or just be aware that travel often will bring up those kind of things because you're away from your normal routine. Um, you're seeing new things, you know, your brain is really kind of, all in a, in a completely different space to when you're, you know, back home going to your job or going to school or whatever. So I think, I mean, for me, that's the most thrilling part of travel is that kind of mindset shift I get every time or that, you know, kind of just reinvigoration of, you know, what's life all about. So mm. look out for it when you're traveling and make the most of it. I, I'd add to that by, you know, as you kind of said, said there, make the most of it, like bring that back home and then mm. put those changes into your life. Absolutely. Yes. Definitely. Um, pretty much always on my way home from somewhere when I'm on a plane or, you know, a train or whatever, I um, am writing, scribbling all these notes to myself about what I've learned that time and what I, what I want to change and 
I'll make lists and I'll, you know, write all kinds of ideas down. And uh, it's easy when you get home to forget all of that because you often will get dumped straight back into that normal routine and mm. the trip can seem so distant so quickly. So you're right, like really focus on bringing it back into your real life and make the most of it. Or just an idea, write them down, send a letter to yourself or give it to someone overseas who's going to post it like in six months' time to kind of remind you. And that idea actually came to me. I, I did a, a 10-day voyage on the Young Endeavour um, from Tasmania across Bass Strait to Victoria. And so you're, you're in the middle of the ocean. The Young Endeavour is a replica of the Endeavour, which was, I think, the boat that discovered Australia back in the 1700s, 1800s. And it was a gift from England to Australia uh, for our, our bicentenary. Anyway, it's a tall ship with sails and all that kind of stuff. And the the Navy has had, was like a, a leadership thing, I guess, where you have like 30 kids on there and um, you in a sense, run the ship and they train you up until the last day that you run it. And then I remember on the last day, we all had to write a letter to ourselves about what we learned and how we were feeling and things like that. And then they sent it to us like a month later. And it was really interesting because often we go through these experiences and we forget about them or we, we really, we get high about them and really excited. And then I guess normality, reality sets in. And it was a great thing to kind of, receive this and go, hey, no, remember that. Okay, cool. Let's make those changes. That is a genius idea. Um, how clever of them to think of that and it would make much more lasting impact to be reminded of those, you, you know, your final thoughts of something. Yeah, I'm just thinking the same thing, like send yourself a postcard, whatever. Mm. That's a really wonderful idea. I'm going to try that next time. <laughs> but uh, we, we, we better start wrapping things up here, Amanda. And I do have one question that I ask everybody uh, on the podcast, and that is to describe your perfect day. Oh, I love the I love your perfect day question. So, um, I my perfect day would be one where I'm traveling, but I can't live those every day. So my perfect day at home um, is pretty much what most of my days are like at the moment. I'm really you know pleased to be able to say that. And um, it's we wake up very early. My son's a very early riser, but it's summer here, so I love that in summer because I feel like we've got all this time and we can just potter around and. Um, you know, take tackle the day slowly. So wake up. I ha always have my pot of green tea because when I lived in Japan, I became addicted to green tea and I feel very virtuous starting the day with green tea. Um, <laughs> and um, so normally there'll be some Lego involved and I love that. Um, you know, my son will um, we'll have breakfast together and we walk to school. We walk across. We're really lucky. We live in the middle of real suburbia, but there's a park right outside our house and then there's another bush path to walk through so we walk through the suburb but we're in you know it's always green get to school drop him off and I love him dearly but it's nice to have a few hours without him and um and honestly my perfect day involves doing the work that I do and I know that sounds very um it almost sounds cheesy but my work is very varied I might run a workshop I love running workshops that get such a buzz out of out of um, presenting a you know an interesting workshop, um, work on my travel blog because it's like reliving the travel again. Um, do a bit of that, pick up my son, and then ideally uh, a lovely takeaway Japanese meal for dinner because Japanese food is the best. And I second um, that. Oh, it's so good. Oh, and just having come back from there, oh, I just I want to eat all the Japanese food all the time. But um, yeah, so uh, you know a lovely meal, 
and um, a few friends around for a glass of wine in the evening. And honestly, if I'm not traveling, which is the ultimate, that is really my perfect day. And it's really pretty much what I live most of the time. So I'm oh, that, so grateful. That's so good. It really is. I love it how you said, you know, starting the day slowly. I'm I'm a huge fan of, of waking up early. I'm, I'm up at about quarter to five every, every morning. But I, I find that slowness in the day. Like we, t- we always talk about slow travel. And then sometimes in our day-to-day life, it's busy, 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 busy. And, and, and I get it as a parent that sometimes life can be like that. But if we're actually a little bit mindful about it and and kind of make slowness an, an important factor in our life, it's amazing mm. what changes. Yeah, I think it just sets you up for a more ha- a happier day, just simply. Um, and I've always been an early riser, um, but my son is an extra early riser. And a lot of other parents will say to me, "Oh, oh, what a pain! How could, you know it must be awful having to be up at five or five thirty. I'm like, "Oh, it's actually really lovely." And um, and uh, you know, you see some of the parents who are rushing into school as the siren rings, and they've had to drag their kids out of bed, and you know, they're eating breakfast in the car or whatever. And I think, "Oh, you know, we've done all these other things," and um, and it's such a, you know, it's a much more relaxing, lovely way to start the day. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But if, if um, again, Amanda, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast, telling some stories and just your love of travel. And I really hope you've been able to kind of get into people's ears and inject that, that love of travel because there are so many benefits that, that we can all have from that. But if people do want to follow your journey and learn a little bit more about what you're doing, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, thank you. Um, so there's two good ways and one is to um, look up the Thoughtful Travel podcast because we talk uh, talk with the two or three guests every week about all different topics related to travel. Sometimes it might be reverse culture shock or uh, getting lost on your travels, all different topics that we cover and um, and it's a lot of fun and I hope inspiring as well. And you can find um, my blog at notaballerina.com and I also like to hang out on Twitter um, and there I'm at Amanda Kendall. Well, I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes. And I must say about your podcast, um, it's different to uh, other travel podcasts. And, and Amanda did touch on this. And it's instead of just, I guess, listening to one person's travel story, she she does interview three people or four people. And it's about a particular topic. It's a great way. I think it's a beautiful way to listening of to a travel podcast. And congratulations with that because I hadn't really heard of um, other podcasts doing that. So it is a little bit different. And it's a great way because you're like, okay, I do want to know about traveling with kids. What's it like? I want to know about you know learning another language. And you're hearing these people do it. So it is a really great podcast. And I will link to it in the show notes but is there anything that i've i've left out here amanda or anything that you want to say before we uh, part ways oh no i think you've covered it well thank you so much for your words about the podcast because i do try and make it yeah a bit different and a bit um yeah hopefully inspiring so um no otherwise just everybody go travel because i promise that will solve all the problems of the world (laughs) (laughs) i agree well thank you again amanda and thank you everyone for listening and until next time Have fun and live immediately.
That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.